Welcome to Faked, an original podcast highlighting the underground world of counterfeit illegal items around the world and how to spot them. Whether you're traveling the world or buying online, Faked will be your guide. With your host, Joseph Rowan, you'll explore the many ways counterfeiters can pull off disguising everyday consumer items as the genuine good. Welcome back to Faked, your favorite podcast all about fake things, cons, and scams in history and now. So if you guys are familiar with the podcast, you probably listened to the episode all on Victor Lustig, which is the guy that sold the Eiffel Tower not once but twice. So we're going to talk about something more domestic here if you're from the U.S. of A. Uh, It's actually somebody that sold the Brooklyn Bridge, I guess, many times over. So... Let's just talk about kind of the idea behind some of these scams and how people were able to get away with it so often back in the day. So scams definitely aren't a modern invention. If anything, they were happening way more back in the day because there was not social media and people calling people out. They just moved from town to town. So a lot of the snake oil salesmen, smooth talkers, conmen, you know, confidence men. We've talked about it before. So it took a little bit more effort to swindle people out of thousands of dollars uh, in the 19th and early 20th century, but it was possible because you had to do it face to face. But it happened very often. You know, now people can scam from afar. They can call you. They can basically just steal from you, uh, essentially. So let's talk about the 19th and 20th centuries, and that's where a lot of these happened. So at that time, millions of immigrants seeking better lives entered the United States through the Golden Door, better known as New York City, which is what we know it as. So largely, uh, largely, sorry, largely, largely impoverished and uh, impoverished. Oh my gosh, I can't talk. It's not even Monday. I'm recording this on a Thursday. And hopeful, these uh, immigrants were perfect targets for opportunistic tricksters like Parker, for example, uh, cunning and ruthless Parker took advantage of naive immigrants and tourists by selling them buildings and monuments that they uh, that he really had never owned before ever. So, and this sounds familiar, just like the Victor Lustig thing. So in the end, his misdeeds got him a life sentence at Sing Sing Prison, where he died. But uh, not before he made a pretty penny by evading the law and duping impressionable strangers. So let's move on, okay? So Parker's Brooklyn Bridge grift most likely began in the 1880s. So the ruse, uh, the ruse was relatively simple. Okay, so Parker would scout out Marks, who'd recently arrived in New York City, convince them that he, he owned the Brooklyn Bridge, and sell it to eager investors for as much as $50,000. Remember, this is the 1880s. $50,000 is a lot of money. So he charmed his victims into thinking that they would easily profit by charging people for access to the bridge. So soon they would try to set up toll booths on the roadway. But their new venture, pitched as a lucrative business and promising start to life in the Big Apple, was destined to fail. So it's kind of crazy that some of these people who came over, uh, you know, immigrants, were able to just fork up 50 grand. That's crazy. I feel like uh, you already have a pretty good life if you can just fork up 50 grand in the 1880s. That's, I mean, that's got to be half a mil, I think. I don't know. Maybe, maybe my calculus is off there, but... So people were trying to set up toll booths, and it was def- definitely destined to fail because it wasn't there. So police would shut down, shut down their attempts to control the road and all their dreams of getting rich off the driver's uh, pocket change were dashed. So eventually processors at Ellis Island started handing new arrivals card. Uh, they would get these cards warning them, you can't buy public buildings or streets. 
So those are all public, uh, publicly owned because they are publicly funded. So those are all streets and buildings that, and monuments that people were trying to sell to people, and apparently in large enough numbers to warrant a card. So Parker was a career criminal by any measure, and at times he posed as a prison warden or the captain of a ship. He had at least six pseudonyms, including James O'Brien, Warden Kennedy, Mr. Roberts, and Mr. Taylor. According to an article in the Olean Evening Times, in 1928, the New York Times reported that a man named William McClowney, uh, I'll tell you, he's pretty good at coming up with names, Warden Kennedy, that's got to be his, his, I mean, I guess the prison warden, and James O'Brien, that sounds pretty, uh, Mr. and then just Mr. Roberts and Mr. Taylor, not even a first name. Okay, so William McClowney, also known as I.O.U. Brian, O'Brien, was arrested. And as it turns out, this was just another one of Parker's aliases. So in this case, um, one he used to sell Max Scheimer, 10 lots that he did not own. So detectives found Parker measuring a backyard in Asbury Park, only that he was captured, he told the police he would have been able to sell the place for $17,000. So he he had, Parker had some really big confidence in himself and the fact that he could just get it over on anybody. He knew the system and he knew what people were willing to give up in order to strike it big immediately because these people were sold the bill that once you come over to New York City, things are going to come up you and things are going to look really good, and there's so many opportunities, and you want to jump on them before other people. So I think that was what got people into it uh, you know, immediately. So Parker was so good at his job that he managed to sell the Statue of Liberty, Madison Square Garden, Ulysses S. Grant's tomb, and the Metro... I'm just laughing because it's crazy, but I mean, he was able to successfully do it. It is insane. So the Metropolitan Museum of Art, so an entire museum as well as four lots in the city hall park for $25,000. But he couldn't avoid getting caught, and he went to jail several times for larceny, forgery, and impersonating a police officer. So that is Parker's spiel. He was just going around. I wish we could talk with him. Wouldn't that be amazing to be able to get Parker on here and say, how did you do it? How did you do it? Let me hear. I want to hear all about um, you know some of the cons you did. Just, I feel like, man, since there was no internet and no... Uh, you know, Netflix or distractions, people were just talking with people and interacting. And then they had just had probably stories on stories on stories. And you wish some of these people just wrote most of these things down, except his was incriminating, obviously, but I don't think it would have, you know, turned out. I think anybody who's a con man should be writing stuff down because they're very confident in themselves. They should be able to, you know, let their stories live on. Anyways, we're going to talk about Parker's downfall because obviously you can only do that spiel for so long before you run out of either monuments or there's enough people coming after you uh, to warrant you just obviously in some sort of downward downward spiral. So it's unlikely that Parker sold the Brooklyn Bridge as many as two times a week for years. Wow, which some sources say that he claimed. So he, he claimed that he sold the Brooklyn Bridge twice a week for years. After all, he lied for a living. So a lot of people don't believe that that is true, but I mean, who knows? So how much stock could anyone put in, you know, somebody's claims that lies literally for a living? But um, his Brooklyn Bridge con was successful many times, and he had contemporaries who were just as willing to rip, rip off unsuspected newcomings for a quick buck, including Reed C. Waddle and the Gondorf brothers. Let's check that out because I'm kind of curious as to what they did. 
Um, I don't know if I can get this one. Uh, I guess it's just talking about a, another con artist called Peachy, Peaches O'Day, which uh, looks like somebody who may have done a similar thing. So let's check this out. Peaches O'Day. I actually didn't see this the original time I went through um, through this, but I want to make sure that we know more about Peaches O'Day. Um, West May. Oh, okay. So she apparently, Peaches O'Day was so well known that Mae West actually played her in a movie. But I can't really find much more about her outside of like one single article. But apparently she was trying to sell the Brooklyn Bridge and she succeeded, passing it off to a, a gullible fellow, I guess. Um, but yeah, we're going to. Kind of go off Peaches O'Day. That could be for another time if I can find more information on her. But uh, let's talk more about Parker's downfall because I think we're all rooting for it. So after decades of scheming, a $150 check sent Parker to prison for good. It's always the little things. It's never the big things uh, for some reason. This one apparently had enough. I mean, I guess once you you know amass these crazy amounts of ill uh, ill-gotten gains or just terribleness. I think it all catches up with you. So according to the Olean Evening Times article, the check bounced back with startling elasticity. That's a really good phrase. So under New York's, that's when writing was good. Under New York's Baum's Laws, uh, which is B-A-U-M-E-S, people convicted of a fourth felony had to be imprisoned for life. Oh my God. So in 1928, Judge Alonzo G. McLaughlin McLaughlin, yeah. In the King's County Court, sentenced Parker to life in Sing Sing. Then Parker died in 1937 and was buried at the prison cemetery. Okay, so, gosh. So if you died in prison, you just went to the cemetery there? Or maybe somebody could come get you, I guess? I don't know. I'm sure if he were... He doesn't doesn't seem like he probably had a lot of people around him uh, keeping him accountable, I would say. I wouldn't say he probably had a... A close family relationship. So the Brooklyn Bridge racket lost steam after the 1920s since more people were aware that it was indeed a fraud. But Parker's infamy lives on in a phrase you've probably heard. If you believe that, I have a bridge in Brooklyn to sell you. So that's actually where the phrase comes from. Pretty interesting stuff, I would say. So guys, that is just a very short story on, you know, the life of Parker here, uh, who the man who sold... The Brooklyn Bridge, twice a week, apparently, uh, according to him. So, guys, I hope you guys enjoyed this episode and check out my TikTok. That is Faked Podcast. I've got a bunch of stuff on there. A lot of a lot of good information that I don't put on here just to keep you guys interested in our visual components. So, I will see you guys in the next episode. Bye.